0: Well, good morning, everybody. All right, everyone's getting their last little thought in on that one. Uh, well, to tell you a little something about that fantasy football trophy there, um, give you a little insight into what it's like to work in our offices each week, is that Henry will randomly bring that trophy into just any meeting, He'll put it on the table and while someone else is talking he'll just stare at you and push it towards you (laughs) just taunting you oh and it's just like we gotta beat him so this is the year this next year we're gonna beat him at fantasy football but anyway i'm jonathan i'm the smargoose pastor here and i'm glad you're here with us this morning we have been working our way through a series called the good and beautiful life and it's been on the sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever told by Jesus. We're looking in the book of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7, and uh, we've just finished chapter 5, and now today we're moving into chapter 6, and uh, we're going to be doing verses 1 through 18 today, but before we jump into the text and the sermon, I want us to be able to pray as we're here to experience God and hear from God and His Word, and we need His help to do that. And as we pray i want to pray for a couple specific things as well Uh, pastor henry is in israel with a bunch of people from our church and another church here in the cities and we want to pray for their safety and their encouragement as they're in the land of the bible Uh, and then secondly i want to pray for uh, those affected by the coronavirus we're seeing more and more news about that and we want to pray for those people that are infected pray for their families. But we've also been hearing from our missionary partners there's just great fear, especially in China. And this is also opening up opportunities up for the gospel because when things are really hard in life, we're looking at the things that really matter. So there are opportunities for the gospel to move forward. And so we want to pray for that as well. So as, you, as we pray, pray with me for all of those things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Your word reveals both your glory and your grace. Guide us by your Holy Spirit as we look to your truth. Show us more of who you are. Remind us that we are called to be conformed to the character of Christ. Lead us so that we might reflect your glory and draw others to your saving grace. Father, we pray for Pastor Henry and those in Israel right now. We pray for their safety while they're there and their travel back. Pray that they would be greatly encouraged and inspired by being in the places where the Bible took place. Father, we also want to pray for those affected by the coronavirus. Those that have it and those that are around them in so many countries around the world. We pray for healing and peace. We pray for wisdom and discernment for doctors and others that are looking into it. But we also pray alongside our mission partners for opportunities for the gospel to move forward we so desperately want our world to know you jesus and would you help that move forward and father we give the rest of this time here this morning to you it's yours to do with what you will help our hearts to be open to what you have to teach us pray this in jesus name Amen. Well, in the book Amazing Grace, uh, the author and poet Kathleen Norris tells the story of what she says is the scariest story about the Bible she's ever heard. And her and her husband were meeting with a man named Arlo and he was facing terminal cancer. And he was talking about his life. And he mentioned his grandfather who was a sincere Christian. And he talked about how when he first got married that his grandfather gave him a Bible, a leather Bible with gold letterings on it, and just great. And every time that Arlo's grandfather saw him, he would ask about the Bible. And he kept asking and asking and asking. And Arlo Arlo finally said this, My wife had written a nice thank you note, and we thanked him in person, but somehow he couldn't let it lie. He always had to ask about it. So finally, Arlo grew curious about the Bible. He said, the joke was on me. I finally took that Bible out of the closet, and I found that granddad had placed a $20 bill at the beginning of the book of Genesis, and at the beginning of every book over $1,300 in all, and he knew I'd never find it. I don't know about you, but I like finding out a secret or a tip or a trick or something that helps me in life, help me figure out life, especially if it's something that really matters. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at three secrets to unlock God's rewards. Three secrets to unlock God's rewards. Now, some of you in hearing that title have some alarm bells going off, and that's good. But stick with me the whole way, and you'll see that God has some surprises in the Scripture. And even one big mind-blowing moment, something I had never seen before in the Scripture. I've seen this passage many times in my life, and it was like, wow, so stick with me till that moment. But let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you're using a Bible or tablet, we're in the NIV translation— Uh, Otherwise, we have Bibles in the seat racks in front of you. We'll start on page 970. 970. Verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others, Just to be clear, he keeps saying that. You've received their reward in full because they're looking to get it from men and they're already getting it from being seen by others. Verse six, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them your father knows what you need before you ask him this then is how you should pray and I actually I want to invite you with your bibles out to pray this along with me as we read these verses our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others They are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, let me just pause here right before the end. We've seen so far in verses 2 and 3, but when you give. And and in verses 5 and 6, but when you pray. And 16 and 17, when you fast. This is a noteworthy thing that's being repeated here because what's not being said is if you give. If you pray, if you fast, he's saying when. It's assumed of person living in the kingdom life. So back to 17. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you will reward you. So we're going to look at the three secrets to unlocking God's rewards. And the first one is check your motives. Check your motives. When we look at this passage, it's all about motives. The why behind the what of we're doing. Let me give you an example. I I love to help people move. Just something I love to do. And even as I was thinking of this analogy to use I'm thinking, am I wanting to use this analogy because it really hits home my point, or am I wanting to say it because then people will think I'm pretty awesome? Well, not all motives are pure, I guess. But um, when I think about moving, especially the first couple of moves, you know, they got the water and the power raid for the unload and the load, and then afterwards the beer and the pizza to have to celebrate that the move has happened. And as an extrovert, I love just talking with people as we're doing it, and we get to have fun moments kind of like this, where you're going, pivot, pivot. And I've moved so many things upstairs. This this really happens. Um but I I remember this one time where there was no food or drink besides water for the load, the the, the unload, or the after. And I remember thinking, well, that's pretty lame. <laughs> and But here's the question. Was I loving helping people move because I loved them? Or was I because I loved the food and having them love me because I helped them? And this is exactly what Jesus is getting at in this passage. He's saying, do not practice in front of others to be seen by them. Announce with trumpets to be honored by others, to be seen by others. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He's asking us to check our motives. Now, some of you are thinking you remember chapter 5, and maybe you even have this verse memorized, chapter 5, 16, says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. Wait a second. I, we're not, not supposed to be seeing what's going on, but those of you that know this verse know I strategically cut off the last little part. And if we finish it off, it says, and glorify your Father in heaven. It's the intention. Do you wish to give glory to God or to yourself? See, it's not bad to be seen fasting, but are you fasting to be seen? It's not bad to be seen praying, but are you praying to be seen? What I'm getting at is, do you only pray when other people are around? Are you only praying because other people are praying? And to be honest guys, I really, I struggle with motives. I like to be the center of attention. I want to be funny. I want to be liked. Um, I have a history of being a people pleaser. But the question I have to ask myself is do, do I want to find my fulfillment and my value in the waves of opinions and thoughts of those people around me the answer is no, because here's the good news. Jesus is teaching us this, is that when, we, when our motives are in check and they're aimed at God, God gets to t- determine my value. God gets to determine my value. And the great news about that is that there is no one who more deeply values me and cares about me than God does. There's no one who more deeply cares and values you than God does. Author James Brian Smith uh, of "The Good and Beautiful Life," um, he says this: "You are one in whom Christ delights and dwells. You live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither are you. When we check our motives, this is what we get to hear. This is what we get to hear. And I Okay, you're thinking, all right, Jonathan, I'm with you. He is wanting us to check our motives, but I also, like you, I struggle with my motives. How do I keep them in check? Well, here's the thing. Jesus tells us, and it's actually the second secret to unlocking God's rewards, and it's we need to practice these habits secretly. Practice these habits secretly. The ones in the passage, give, pray, and fast. Let me... Give an analogy here. Okay, who, who goes to the gym? Who goes to the gym? Okay. I just said practice your habits secretly, people. <laughs> Check your motives. Okay, anyway, I'm just joking. I, I go to the gym too uh, sometimes. But you know you know about the whole get to the gym 12 times and then you get that discount on your insurance? I remember this one gal um, I mean, she had a dress on. She was, like, ready for a date. And she walks into the gym, pulls out her phone, goes boop, and just walks right out just to get her 12 times in. I mean, for me, I at least go to the bathroom or grab a drink of water to (laughs) pretend I, like, might be working out that day. But here's here's, here's, let me ask you a question, though. What's better, going 12 times, even if some are fully dressed turnarounds, or giving up on going 12 times, paying the extra money, and not creating any sense of habit. You see, for many of us, when we think about a habit of prayer every day, it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to do that because I don't know what to do. Or I don't always feel like it. Or I usually just go off into la-la land and say amen at some point. And all that stuff does happen. All that stuff's happened to me. But here's the thing. Scripture is saying we are promised two things for practicing these things secretly two things we're practicing god's presence or promise god's presence and god's presence or rewards sorry that's such a preacher thing to do with they're the two p's and the same word and they sound the same anyway presence and presence um but let's look back at the verses uh we have verse four So that your giving may be in secret, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And finally, verse 18, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see, especially when it comes to prayer, we aren't coming to him with our needs because he doesn't know what they are. Jesus already has told us that he already knows what they are, but we're coming to him vulnerably so that we can know him and his presence and so he can move in our minds and our hearts in those things we're praying for, becoming more and more aware of his presence and his kingdom movement. And to help you kind of think about this for a second, Think about when you're looking to buy a car or when you've just bought a car, what happens? When you are looking to buy a car, you've picked it out or you've bought the car, you start seeing the car everywhere. Just just like, oh man, not everybody has this car. And you're kind of having some buyer's regret. But the thing about this is when we spend time with God and are more aware of his presence and his kingdom movement, we get to see how he is working and moving throughout our everyday. we become more aware of how those things are happening okay here's a second analogy and this one's a little bit of a longer one a little bit more emotional one about the reality of god and how we become more aware of his presence and we're going to have kind of two sides the one working out of unbelief and the one working out of belief so i'm going to read this story to you in a mother's womb were two babies. One asked the other, do you believe in life after delivery? Why, of course, the other replied. There has to be something after delivery. Maybe we are here to prepare ourselves for what will be later. Nonsense, said the first. There's no life after delivery. What kind of life would that be? The second said, I don't know, but there will be more light than here. Maybe we will all walk with our legs and eat from our mouths. Maybe we'll have other senses that we can't understand now." The first replied, "'That is absurd. Walking is impossible, and eating with our mouths? Ridiculous. The umbilical cord supplies nutrition and everything we need, but the umbilical cord is so short. Life after delivery is to be logically excluded." The second insisted, "'Well, I I think there's something, and maybe it's different than it is here. Maybe we won't need this physical cord anymore." The first replied, "'Nonsense.'" And moreover, if there is life, then why has no one ever come back from there? Delivery is the end of life. And in the after delivery, there is nothing but darkness and silence and oblivion. It takes us nowhere. Well, I don't know, said the second. But certainly we will meet mother and she will take care of us. The first replied, Mother? You actually believe in mother? That's laughable. If mother exists, then where is she now? The second said, She is all around us. We are surrounded by her. We are of her. It is in her that we live. Without her, this world would not and could not exist. First says, well, I don't see her, so it is only logical that she doesn't exist. To which the second replied, sometimes when you're in silence and you focus and you listen, you can perceive her presence and you can hear her. Her loving voice calling down from above. So we need to practice prayer in silence and in secret so we can experience God's presence. If we do this, we can experience God's presence and God's presence will become increasingly more real. But before I move on to the third secret, I I want to just point out the rewards mentioned three times in this passage. I think Jesus would agree that the greatest reward of practicing these things in secret is God's presence, being with God. But we'll see that Jesus is also very practical. We'll see this even more clearly next week. He's fully human and he understands us. And I think there are rewards that he's talking about in experiencing in the light of God's presence and commitment to secretly giving, praying, and fasting, that there are other things. But is it important for us to know what the reward is? Actually, I think it's important that we don't know what it is. Jesus is saying that there are rewards beyond God's presence because there's a loving Father that wishes to shower upon his loving, connected children, you and me, with many rewards. And the way to discover them is to secretly commit ourselves to giving, praying, and fasting, only intending to be in sight of our Heavenly Father. And so, we need to check our motives, practice these habits secretly. And thirdly, we need to remember that God's kingdom is already here. God's kingdom is already here. Ravi Zacharias, who's a famous Christian apologist and philosopher, speaks all around the world. He was born and raised in India. And when he and his brother became adults, they moved to Canada. And when they got to Canada, they were asked a bunch of questions. And Ravi's brother's answer was, pretty hilarious and very surprising to Ravi because they asked him, why do you wanna move to Canada? And his brother just said, because we think in English. And that was just so confusing to Ravi to about how you can think in a different language. But you see, as Christians, we need to think in kingdom now, not just kingdom later. We need to be thinking in kingdom now, not just in kingdom later. And that actually will lead us to this aha moment that I had within the scripture this week. And when we look at the whole Sermon on the Mount, it's looking at what does the kingdom of God look like? How do we live in it? And how do we live out of it and break it into our world? And so I want us to just sneak peek into a couple verses from next week's sermon, um, verses 19 through 21, to help kind of unlock this last piece of it. So let's turn to 19 through 21. It says this Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I've heard that verse since I've been a little kid. Store up treasures in heaven. The kingdom of heaven. Heard in the prayer, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. See, there's this tension here in the scripture between the already and the not yet there is a future new creation which we are preparing for and storing treasure in but i think we also need to look at how jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven breaking in now and storing treasures in heaven is also talking about right now that the storing is not just a waiting game to experience all of it later but experiencing those treasures of the kingdom now he says for where your treasure is not for where your treasure will be there your heart will be also see to remember the kingdom is already here is to experience more and more of the kingdom right now and live out of its great treasure God's presence his priorities knowing what is actually true about life and what's true about the things that matter most now just imagine with me for a moment Imagine with me a man whose character was exemplary, whose love for people unquestioned, his ideas captivating and visionary. Just by being around him, you were a better person and you wanted to be a better person. It's infectious, and you were able to love people not for their outward appearance or for their outward actions, but because of the value placed on them from a loving creator, a loving father. This man is Jesus, and he is king of a kingdom, the one that will reign forever. And this future kingdom has broken into the now, and we are invited not only to partake of it, but live out of it. We are royal ambassadors of a future kingdom proclaiming the great value of people provided to them by a loving Father in heaven and participating and loving everyone in that way that the Father loves them. Looking to love them in the same way that the Father loves them and invite them into that relationship. This is the kingdom life. the author of The Good and Beautiful Life, I mentioned earlier, James Bryan Smith, shares the story of an Orthodox priest in Russia. And his city had been just ravaged by alcoholism. And there were just so many men had ruined their lives and they're in the streets, passed out and drunk all the time around the streets of his parish. And what he did is he had a habit of going out to them And he would walk over to them and he would embrace them. And he would say, this is beneath you. You were meant to house the fullness of God. You were meant to house the fullness of God. See, it's only out of our secret time with our Heavenly Father and storing up our treasures in his kingdom that we are even able to live out of that future now kingdom and bring it in like this priest see we are identity amnesiacs we forget who we are it's hard not to forget and we need this time for with god for him to remind us of who he is who we are in what his kingdom is all about. The importance of remembering the most important, thing, most important things about life and these, these rhythms, these habits that we do secretly actually only make sense for us to do if we really believe that Jesus is king and the kingdom is here. Just think about it for a second. Giving in secret, praying in secret, fasting in secret for the, the only person that sees you doing that is our Heavenly Father that only makes sense for you to do if you really believe that Jesus is King and His kingdom is here? And I want us to just take a short little example here of how we can think about how not to forget, how to remember. And I want us to watch this short little commercial. Hey, Google, show me photos of me and Loretta. (laughs) Remember, Loretta hated my mustache. (laughs) Remember, Loretta loved going to Alaska and scallops. Show me photos from our anniversary. Remember, she always snorted when she laughed. Play our favorite movie. Remember? I'm the luckiest man in the world. Come on, boy. We need to take the time to remember the most important things. We need to remember what Jesus did for us. Remember his death on the cross his body broken for you, his blood shed for you. Remember his resurrection, him defeating death. Remember that we've been given the Holy Spirit to equip us to do any of the things that we've even talked about today. Remember that you have a heavenly father that loves you more than anyone could ever love you and is waiting for you to come to him in secret. Christ paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay and he did so to redeem us in his entire creation and break in his kingdom as king of it all for those of us who have put our faith in Christ he is king and that is good news You are one in whom Christ dwells and delights. You live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. This kingdom is not in trouble, and neither are you. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, Thank you for your great love for us. We screw up and mess up all the time. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Father, I'm thankful to know that you love us, but additionally, like us you want, you're inviting us to talk with you just you. It's overwhelming for me to think about God that you'd want me to talk with you, God of the universe. Father I pray for anyone here this morning, that hasn't surrendered their life to you, that you'd be moving in their heart right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you just impress on their hearts right now. And God, I want them to feel invited to give their lives to you, to ask for forgiveness for everything they've done turn over everything to you. Father, I think of so many people in our lives that don't even know or even think about the possibility of having a relationship with you and how desperately we want those people to know you. When we spend our time with you, God, in secret, would you help guide us into how to love those people, how to care for them radically, and share our stories with them of how you've completely changed our worlds. We absolutely need you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.